it's been a long few weeks, um, as you've noticed, or as I've noticed from the relentless tweets asking when the podcast was coming back and the posts and everything. Um, but we've had a lot of changes here at the Lions 24-7 podcast, notably on the site. We do have a site in addition to the podcast, as some of you seem to not know. Um, but we've added Tyler Donahue to the staff. Um, we're excited to get going. Tyler, welcome to your first edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Um, yeah, by demand. You're right. There's a lot of people who are waiting for this one to drop and uh, excited to be, be with you for these. Yeah, we, we had some stuff to take care of on the site. Obviously, uh, I think we're doing that pretty well. Pretty much a record month of August for us. A lot of people reading along. A lot of stuff happening um, over the last couple of weeks. Our last episode was our pre-Lash Bash episode. So since then, what we got a commitment from Emery Simmons on the Lash Bash day. A commitment from Michael Johnson on, on August 1st. Zach Franks committed. Anthony Wigan committed. Zach Franks D committed. Uh, camp started. Media day. Whatever. There's so much stuff going on. Probably should have had an episode in there, but there's been a lot to go with. And, and to be quite frank, I've had the, my kids all week, and there's just been no time for me to fit in a podcast episode. But we're going to get started. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, you know the recruiting coming out of the Lash Bash. Emery Simmons, uh, three-star, four-star by 24-7 Sports, committed to Penn State, flipped from North Carolina. Of course, he was previously committed to Indiana as well. Um, so a little bit of backstory there. Uh, Penn State brought him up for the Lash Bash. He liked what he saw. We saw him in camp the following day. He liked what I saw. I th- thought he's a productive route runner. Of course, the speed is what he gets by on. Ran, I believe, a 4-4-1 at some point this summer, or excuse me, this spring in uh, Nike camp testing. Got invited to the opening finals. And it was a pretty good pickup for Penn State, who's been looking for a receiver to pair with John Dunmore. And he had a nice debut as an Indy Lions commit in his opener last weekend. I believe nine catches, more than 150 yards, a couple touchdowns. So, Early sample size is very good for his senior year. And obviously, Sean, that's not necessarily a name that we had high on the radar when it came to potential lash bash commitments. So that was an interesting pickup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Emory Simmons is a guy that, you know, we, when Penn State offered, he was committed to Indiana, turned around and, and committed to in-state North Carolina. You don't typically see a, a change like that to going away from your in-state school. But North Carolina struggling right now um, as they are on the recruiting trail. Penn State, uh, I guess, struck at the right time, got him up on campus to visit and and, you know, it sort of uh, worked their magic. So that was commitment number one. A couple days later, Michael Johnson, second quarterback in the class to pair with Taquan Roberson. Uh, just a, a really athletic kid. We talked about Johnson in the last podcast, probably a four-star athlete, three-star passer type thing. Has a ways to go as a passer. But, again, you, you got to like the upside. I mean, this is a kid that's that, that's been productive in high school a lot as a runner. But, you know, he's, he's improving as a passer. He was at the Elite 11. He finished just out of the top uh, 11, I believe. So uh, – it's it's a good athletic pickup and you never bring in two quarterbacks that you know complement each other but Roberson more the more accurate uh, passer type guy Johnson the better athlete it does a lot of things that, that that Tommy Stevens has done for them yeah and another impressive pickup that shows Penn State's reach at this point you know Michael Johnson was on campus one time he made the effort to get there for an official visit um, out of Oregon and it's worth noting you know at the quarterback position especially he's a, he's a football kid he was raised in a football household his dad's on the Oregon Duck staff has experience in the NFL, cross college football. So he's going to be a savvy kid. And I think it's worth noting both him and Roberson going to be on campus in January. So getting that head start, which is so huge at the quarterback spot. Yeah, eight guys on campus in January right now. Uh, go through uh, the, the two quarterbacks, of course. Anthony Wigan, who we'll get to in a second, is going to be, I mean, 
to have half of your class over half of your class now uh, committed coming in in January just shows how much things have changed over the last couple of years. Of course, Penn State had six early enrollees this year, probably going to see a couple of them early in the career. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, you got to like getting those guys on campus and making an impact early because that spring practice really can make all the difference if you're looking to play in year one. And we know what uh, Coach Galt is capable of doing in that weight room with the guys. And uh, it's amazing to see, especially, you know, like a Jesse Lucetta, how much different he looks than when he got the campus in January. Makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on to Zach Franks, who committed to Penn State. And then, what, a week uh, a week later, decommitted, headed to Northwestern. It just wasn't the right fit for Franks. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if he's been interviewed since then. <laughs> Um, but from, from what we heard, he just didn't really feel that he fit in with what Penn State was doing. And, you know, I guess it's better that it happens now than it did than it would in uh, December. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have to lose a commitment, might as well do it right away. Uh, and with, with Franks, I thought it was interesting uh, because he was a guy who really quickly, you know, at Wigan, Franks, uh, you, you had Salim Wormley come on board. All of a sudden, there was this big run at offensive line. And with him leaving the class so quickly, all of a sudden, that priority steps up a little bit again. Yeah, and Anthony Wigan was a guy that they prioritized uh, largely after Nana Asidu uh, had to retire due to the heart condition. I mean, it, it, it was an unfortunate situation for Nana, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that a little bit later. But uh, Wigan was a guy that you can bring in. He can be a tackle. He can be a guard. can even be a center. He can do so much for you. He's got three to play, too. Um, probably the biggest pickup out of this little uh, recent run that Penn State's been on. Yeah, and Wigan, another guy who should be on campus, uh, you know, next spring for that camp and, and be able to compete. And, and, you know, we'll see what they have at the tackle position. They could potentially return a couple starters there, but uh, he's somebody that they may be able to rely on pretty quickly. We'll see how he can develop physically. And two guys out of Lackawanna College now, him and Jaquan Brisker. Yeah, absolutely. And Wigan, the number one offensive tackle in, in the junior college ranks, according to 24-7 Sports. He's a guy that, uh, you know, y- y- you look at what they've been able to do at Lackawanna over the, ca- uh, the past couple of years, and it's been impressive. Penn State had Paris Palmer, which obviously, you know, I think probably things could have been a little bit different with Paris Palmer had he had a chance to redshirt and build up, uh, but he, he was a 2-2. Two to two. Wigan's a 3-2, to two, but he also comes in more game-ready than Paris Palmer. Uh, great feet, uh, really good athleticism as well. I think a, a big pickup in he could see the field right away next year. I mean, you've got Ryan Bates, maybe Connor McGovern. You know, if, if something would, were to happen where they would have a great year and all of a sudden test the NFL waters, you've got a guy like Wigan to come in and, and sort of solidify that depth right away. So I think it's a big pickup, big pickup for Penn State there. Uh, of course, getting back into football, camp started. Uh, a lot of news early in camp. Of course, media day was right away on, on August 4th. Um, Braylon Franklin, no longer with the team. Not going to spend too much time on that. He was a linebacker that came in. He was a high school nose tackle. Came in, tried to make him a linebacker. Didn't work. Tried to make him a defensive end. Didn't work. He spent part of the season uh, last year, excuse me, part of the year last year back in Texas with his family. So a lot, a lot going on there. He popped up at Sam Houston State this week. So all the best to him, but just wasn't happening differently um the medical retirements there there's been four and i think four all, all four were in august in addition to uh nana studio yeah. uh jake zembeck who's never been healthy ryan buckholz who's probably we'll get back to was probably the biggest hit torrence brown who we didn't expect back this year and jordan minor which is another unfortunate situation where they discovered a heart uh, condition there so that's a 
that's a big hit, but it's not a trend. I mean, if you look at these every so often, you've got Miner and Asidu. You could not have seen that coming. I mean, you, you get these guys in the bod pod. You do these physicals where they, they are a little bit deeper than or a lot deeper than high school sports physicals. I mean, that, that happens. And, you know, they save two lives right there, in my opinion. So, I mean, you, you kind of got to call that what it is. I mean, it's unfortunate. It sucks for these guys. They have to give up football, which they've been, you know, basically preparing for this their whole life. Now, all of a sudden, it's taken away from them. But, hey – you're not going to drop dead on the practice field. And yes. Yeah. It's a situation where the risk reward just, it doesn't match up to keep playing. And you and I have both dug pretty deep into both of those recruitments for Jordan and Nana coming to campus. So obviously it stinks to see them kind of on the threshold of this leap in their career and not getting to that point. The good news is going to stay on scholarship, going to be part of the program. We saw them at photo day in uniform. Uh, so for all intents and purposes, they're still part of that brotherhood, which is great. Yeah. And all these guys sticking with the program, Jake Zembeck um, has had shoulder problems. I think he had shoulder surgery as soon as he showed up on campus uh, he got hurt in high school as well so he's never been healthy probably I mean he was not going to see the field Sean Clifford of course was elevated to the number three guy last year um, but but Buckholz hurts I mean no doubt about it. this is a guy that, that we had counted on as a starter uh, you saw when he was not in there last year he got hurt in the Ohio State game what his uh, lack of presence meant for Penn State lack of pass rush but there's also a guy that played the run extremely well so uh, that that one's going to sting and it's and it's led to I think some some issues at defensive end. Shane Simmons is banged up. Shaka Tony's been banged up through camp. So the, the numbers there, is, as talented as that position is, the numbers there aren't great. Uh, we mentioned Torrance Brown. What we didn't expect him to play. We were saying since last fall he wasn't going to play anymore, and that's unfortunate. And, I, and I, as I understand it, he still hopes to play one day. It's just not going to be at Penn State. He's got some work, still work to do on that knee. But Buckholz, that's a killer right there. I mean, you're, you were looking at, at he and Sharif Miller as your starters. Sean Spencer came out on Tuesday night and said Sharif Miller and Yitor Gross Matos are probably going to be your starters, which is fine. I mean, there's a ton of talent there, but at the same time, they like to rotate guys at that position, play series, um, get get some guys some blows if they're in there for a long series. Um, so, so, so that certainly hurts. A lot of that's going to fall probably to Daniel Joseph Simmons when he comes back, Shaka Tony when he comes back, and and maybe even the freshman Jason Awe and, and and Nick Tarbert as well. But definitely more of a hole at defensive end than I think we expected. Yeah, back on media day, speaking with the offensive lineman for Penn State, I asked, you know, what defensive lineman on this roster is the toughest matchup on the practice field? The name I heard the most was Buck, and, and so that tells you a lot about his respect in that locker room, the impact he can make in the trenches, and you know, for him to be out of this, it puts the pressure on the. Those three red shirt sophomores, as you mentioned, we'll see who steps up there, who's healthy. Uh, but I think Etor Gross Matos, a lot of excitement trending in the Lash building throughout the offseason. It's clearly carried into camp. And, uh, you know, Sean Spencer didn't hold back. He said, this is the guy that we're going to put out there with the first team. Yeah, and, I, and I'm right there with you. I mean, I think he would have pushed for a starting spot. You know, if Buck Holtz was, was injured and maybe out for a few games or whatnot, I think he was going to be the guy. Because, I mean, Gross Matos added 20 pounds this offseason. Obviously, he's still got room in that frame to fill out. He's got a frame like Buckholz where, where, you know, you can probably put 270, 275 on there and he can still play defensive end. So excited to see what happens. I think Sharif Miller's in for a big year. I've said that multiple times. So um, the, the potential's still there. The excitement's still there, but you, you'd like to have your numbers and you'd like to be healthy at that position. No doubt about yeah. it. 
getting back into the the rookies, Miner and Asidu, what happens because uh, they're not going to be there? Well, you get a few more scholarships, and you don't like to, to, to play that commodities game or whatnot, but you get those scholarships back. Now Penn State was looking for a class of maybe 18 to 20 events, or excuse me, originally in this class. Now you're looking 23, 25, something like that. That number has yet to be nailed down, but Penn State all of a sudden has a lot more space, and, and what does that do for you? Um, you can bring in another another guy at one of those positions. You look at Jordan Miner. Where, where you can look uh, harder at a Joey Porter. Um, you, you, Nick Cross is still there. Lewis Seen is still there at safety. So you get a little bit more flexibility in that defensive backfield. And obviously, you, you want to stockpile offensive linemen, no doubt. And it can also help you at different spots like tight end. Uh, Brenton Strange is out there that he came to camp, uh, actually probably since the, our, our last uh, podcast. He came to camp, worked out, did a great job. Penn State offered him on the spot. I think Penn State's in a great spot for him. So you get a little bit more flexibility. And, and, and with these with this fall coming up, if you continue to win, you can continue to take that next step and maybe get into Florida a little bit more. So there's opportunity there and we're not going to gloss over, you know, the two careers that were ended prematurely and and it sucks. And we're looking forward to seeing those guys out there, but uh, there's an opportunity there for Penn state. And in terms of that ceiling being raised with the scholarships that you have to offer, I think that's really big now for post early signing period. We saw last year becomes a bit of a wasteland in terms of who's actually on signed out there. Rashid Walker was obviously a concentration. Solomon Enos was out there, but I think now when you look ahead, uh, maybe you have a couple scholarships to play that best player available kind of game and maybe go off of necessarily your needs and, and go ahead and just take the most talented guy out there. Yeah, exactly. And that's where a guy like Porter comes out. I mean, Porter's not looking to decide anytime soon. I think he's going to take an official visit in December. I mean, that kind of plays into your hands what you're looking for. So you've got a little bit more flexibility there. As you mentioned, that December to February, that was just, that was crazy last yeah. year because it was almost, I mean, you, you were seeing guys getting offered by schools. They're, they had no business being offered by. So, I mean, that that, that was crazy to watch. Um, whether or not that happens, again, I think a lot of schools learn from the from the uh, December signing period the first time. I mean, it, it's going to be – it's probably going to be a little bit different than last year. But, man, that was just a fascinating uh, sort of social experiment yeah, for, for watching that. But um, back to the field. Camp's in full swing right now. Penn State about to get into game prep week. We'll talk a little bit more about Appalachian State next week. Um, but right now, Penn State's still trying to fill some holes of their own, uh, starting with some position battles. Uh, you got tight ends still up in the air. This has been one I – mean, we talked to James Franklin about this a few times. Jonathan Holland's been mentioned. Nick Bowers has been mentioned. Mentioned. Danny Dalton's been a guy that's gotten a lot of mention. And, of course, Pat Fryermuth, the, the true freshman, is probably ready to step in and play. So it's been really interesting to sort of track this because – it's so different from the last couple of years. You knew Mike Kosicki was going to be the guy. He was going to play, I think I looked it up today, 82% of the snaps over the last two years. And and beyond that was spread uh, spread pretty thin. So it's a different setup for the tight end position. From top to bottom, the gap is a lot different than it was last year. But you've got some quality players in there. Yeah, what, what makes it so different is there is, was such a steep drop-off in playing time from, from Mike to everybody else. So even the fourth-year guys, Highland, Bowers, we still don't really know what they're all about if they get a extensive reps thought it was interesting on, on practice number five James Franklin really made it a point to say Jonathan Holland has gained some separation two weeks later 
I actually directly asked about Holland in that separation. The first thing he did was mention Danny, Danny Dalton. Yeah. So it tells you there's been a shift in what they see there. I think Danny Dalton, although he has not seen college uh, experience, he looks the part of a guy. He had a great mustache. Minus the mustache. Yeah, even yes. minus the it's mustache. Gone. Yeah, so we'll see if he can continue his momentum without so he's it. back to third string in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it is worth mentioning that for the first time uh, in a media session, Pat Fryermuth was mentioned as someone who was going to be a factor. Uh, Zach Kuhn's clearly a more of a developmental guy at the stage of his career. Uh, but interesting with Pat Fryermuth and the word on him was coming out of high school that he was going to be the more college ready out of that duo. Yeah, and he's a little bit older. He spent a, you know, he had an extra year of high school and Kuhn's mm-hmm. at 6'7", 230. You know, 230 sounds great, but when you put it over six seven and a half, you know, it's not it's not really that much. Um, but yeah, that, that was the word on Fryermuth. We had some notes a couple of weeks ago saying he was starting to come around, starting to push, and he's 255, 260 pounds as well. So, I mean, he's going to he's gonna probably be that fourth guy. I think a lot of it still depends on the health of Holland and Bowers. Um, Bowers is a guy, you know, that's never really been healthy. Holland missed the spring with an injury. If Danny Dalton can continue to be the guy that's steady enough to get all the reps, you're going to see a lot of Danny Dalton. So uh, I, I think tight end still very much up in the air, and I think that non-conference schedule will be a chance to see all four of those guys. And then 82%, that's not going to hold over to the new starter yet. That ain't going to happen. So uh, wide out, a ton of talent there. Uh, basically, we're looking at Juwan Johnson, DeAndre Tompkins, and who else? You know, and I think there's a lot of names there. There's a lot of talent, not a lot of experience. I think Brandon Polk is probably the guy that you look to as as the most experienced guy out there. Uh, of course, KJ Hamler is going to push there. Matt Kippenhammer is going to push. Justin Shorter is banged up right now, but when he gets healthy, he'll push. James Franklin talked a lot about Jahan Dotson. So, uh, and I'm not even mentioning what Cam Sullivan Brown's there, Daniel George. So a lot of very good athletes there. A lot of guys that you know you have that potential but they don't have that uh, experience yet. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out because, frankly, I mean, this is, uh, this is a group that last year, you know, you could stick with the three starters and you wouldn't see a ton of, uh, of, uh, of substitutions coming through there. This year, that might be a little bit different. Yeah, I think what was really interesting was, you know, the first question after a few practices about this freshman class – Jahan Dotson's the first name out of Franklin's mouth. I don't think a lot of us would have expected that to be the first name out of that group, especially with Justin Shorter on campus, the number one receiver recruit in America coming out of high school. I think those two are the, the, the guys to watch in the true freshman class. Daniel George is a physical specimen, but I think Looks he's like a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. He's still got the, I think he's not quite as polished as those other two guys are as receivers. But I also believe this redshirt freshman class, you know, Hippenhammer, Sullivan Brown, Hamler, we've heard great things about Hamler, but these guys got to be careful because if they end up getting pushed and beat out by some of these true freshmen, the next few years it's going to be tough to get those jobs back, I think. Yeah, and you're looking at bringing in two, maybe three uh, wide receivers as well this class. So, I mean, that competition there is going to be pretty crazy. Of course, uh, Tompkins done after this year. Jawan Johnson, if he has a good year, I don't think it's any secret that you know he brings everything that the NFL is looking for. So, um, you, you, And this is a major point for Brandon Polk. I mean, yeah. it's, it's he's really got to go and, and win a spot in this rotation or it's going to be tough for him. Right, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, moving to the other side of the ball, defensive tackle is a spot that, you know, you you know pretty much what the starters are going to be. Gibbons and, and Robert Windsor um, are the guys that you look to. But beyond that, uh, it's sort of like receiver. I mean, there's, there's guys with talent there, no doubt about it. But there's also very little to no experience. Antonio Shelton's there. Fred Hanser has made some moves recently. Uh, Damian Barber's a guy that they like a lot, but he's still probably, you know, a year away in terms of defensive tackle. And then we get to P.J. Mustafer. I mean, that's... 
you know, we're, we're not going to talk a ton about true freshmen coming in and making an impact on either side of the line. But Penn State has talked an awful lot about P.J. Mustafer over the past couple of weeks. Top 100 recruit, obviously, last year, uh, Under Armour All-American. So he's got that pedigree. And he comes in, and Sharif Miller said it last week. He comes in, he plays with those older guys. He more than hang, more than holds his own with those older guys. I think his wrestling background was huge because he came in physically in great shape and, and just a guy who understands what it takes to compete. And, and additionally, he's very intelligent. I mean, if you've spoken with PJ, and I know you have, uh, he's a guy that, that really can hold his own in a conversation. You'll learn new things from that conversation. He understands football. He's got an older brother at Notre Dame yeah. who can reach to for tips. So not surprised he's kind of coming like a wrecking ball. And again, Fred Hanser, Damian Barber, pressure's on because you got a true freshman, you know, breathing down your neck, maybe going ahead of you now. Um, so I think as much as we don't know about defensive tackle, there's still a lot to be excited about that. And I think they may be able to generate some pass rush in the middle. Yeah, I think so. And I think you can you can play around. Sean Spencer's still got options. We talked about the injuries at defensive end and, and the retirements and everything, but he's still got options. He can play around there. You can even swing Gibbons out to defensive end, as we've seen a little bit. So um, options for Sean Spencer, obviously not probably not the spot he wanted to be in what three weeks ago or whatnot but you know they're, they're developing and, and I, I still think Antonio Shelton's key I think Fred Hansard's conditioning is key Ellison Jordan who we didn't mention right. earlier is you know I can't see him being 100% coming off of the injury that he had but, still, but he's out there we've seen yeah. him out there in practice so a lot to like there but still a ton of question marks I think yeah, it'll be interesting. And I mean, I think it does help the fact that you have uh, Sharif Miller, uh, you know, kind of taking a lot of these guys under his wing. You talked about it. he's really taking that older guy role. And he had a lot of great, really good things to say about P.J. Mustafer, and that really stood out. Um, so I do think yeah, out of that whole group of younger players, I think we're going to see a lot of P.J. Yeah, absolutely. He needs somebody to suck up blockers, especially outside of Windsor, who I don't think is a three-down guy right now. It's just uh, I don't know how much he gives you in a pass rush. So moving on, the guys right behind it, I think the, everybody was looking at linebackers, a big question mark this year. You got Cam Brown, Coa Farmer there. Um, Jan Johnson's a guy that's often m- mentioned as the, as the mic there. But – um, you know, one of those camp developments, one of those media day developments, Manny Bowen back in the picture. <laughs> it's been rumored for a long time. We've sort of been talking around it, had a few Freudian slips on the uh, on the podcast before he came back. Um, but, uh, yeah, getting him back, and he looks great, by the way. I don't, he certainly did not take off training or anything like that. But not going to see him right away, I don't I don't think. Um, not going to start him right away, James Franklin said. But I don't think we're going to see a ton of him, you know, next week or maybe even against Pitt. But, uh, yeah, having him back, I just think for stability, for experience, for just basically all-around athleticism, I think he's, uh, he's a guy that you look to as probably adding something that really a freshman, as good as his freshman can be, can't add. He's played a bunch of reps in a bunch of Big Ten games, and you can't say that about many of these linebackers. And, you know, Brent Pry, James Franklin have both done their best to kind of distance from committing to Manny Bowen being a factor, especially early in the season. But they both have complimented on the work that he's done since rejoining the team, and that includes from a leadership perspective, which is huge. Yeah. Penn State high on Cam Brown right now, really high on Cam yeah. Brown. Um, you know, he can play a couple different positions. You know, if I think if the season were to start uh, today, I think you see Brown and Farmer with, with Johnson in the middle. But I think there's a lot of potential that to change, and a big reason for that is Micah Parsons. We see Micah Parsons out there, um, you know, a few times. We saw him in the spring game. I, I don't know that he's ready to be a, a full-time linebacker. 
but this kid can go to the, go get the quarterback like nobody I've probably seen at Penn State. I mean that, and that's I mean he just he has a way of getting through. We saw practice the other night. He just went through, lit up. Unfortunately, lit up Ricky Slade a couple of times. <laughs> um, but he he gets to the quarterback. He closes so fast. He finds these gaps and these windows, and and he gets through them. Um, it probably as much physical talent as anyone that I've seen come to the program, and that probably includes Saquon. I mean Saquon was a, he you know very physically talented, hard worker and everything like that but just in terms of talent in terms this kid has it and if he puts it all together and we know there's still you know there's maturity issues and he's gonna have to grow up fast and learn how to play in the big 10 and all that kind of stuff but he can put it together man watch out he's he's something and sean i know you are not one to uh you know overhype a player especially a young guy so for you to be this excited about parsons and you've been covering this team for a long time i think that speaks volumes i mean just seeing him on the football field in high school to now he looked like the best player on the field in high school. He already looks like one of the best players in the field for Penn State. Uh, you know, speaking with Miles Sanders the other day, he said that he thinks Micah Parsons is already one of the best linebackers on the team. Speaking with Sharif Miller last week, he said he's never seen a linebacker go sideline to sideline like this kid. Again, freshman, first first fall training camp. So I got to say, I think we're going to see him put together a highlight reel, highlight reel this uh, season. There may be some of those moments where you say, what the heck is that kid thinking? But then the next play, you might go force the fumble. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, we had some notes last week on the site about Micah Parsons and the, the response I think generated was that, that hype trains in full force. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. And, and you think about it, he's probably, a, what do you think, a 3-4 outside linebacker? If you take if you talk NFL terms, yeah. he's an edge rusher. He's a guy that gets the quarterback. So I've always thought Vaughn Miller I know I'm not the only one, but that's right. a name that has always stood out to me based on his size and his ability to get after the quarterback. And I think with Micah Parsons, by the way, every time we hear uh, one of these, you know, convicting statements about him being a, a great teammate and a great, uh, you know, per, uh, freshman and all this from Franklin, from Pry, from his teammates, it chips away at that reputation that was built during his recruitment that he was going to be a me first guy, a guy who's going to disrupt the chemistry in a locker room it's been the opposite based on everything we've heard from the weight room to the football field yeah it's kind of impossible not to compare him compare him to lavar errington at this point which is which is really saying something obviously lavar uh, maybe the best that i've seen at penn state but i mean it's just uh that every comparison you know all those boxes are checked and that's uh it's crazy to think about um but i think uh, i think we'll see some good things i think uh when you talk about the the challenges that they've had at defensive end and the injuries they had a defensive end your first question is hey do you move Micah Parsons to defensive end I don't no. think so he can go get the quarterback as a will linebacker and I think we're going to see that uh, from him over the next couple of months and by the way at linebacker the future looks pretty bright him Jesse Lucetta uh, you know Franklin said Lucetta's making a move in his own right he to me what stood out from his recruitment he was the leader of a recruiting class loaded with alpha personalities yeah. uh, I think he's uh, you know if he stays healthy stays on this track he's a potential two-year team captain on defense yeah and I, I was saying a couple of months ago, I like linebacker more than most. There's just there's a lot of talent there. It just needs to be called. We just don't know what it looks yeah. like on the field yet. It needs to yeah. it needs to uh, to go to the next level. Brent Pry is in charge of that. We're not in charge yet, so don't <laughs> don't get at us. Uh, safety beyond that, um, Nick Scott and who else is it going to be? I think that question is still up in the air. Garrett Taylor, Lamont Wade, Aaron Monroe, even some John Sutherland as well. Um, so I think that's one of those ones where you're going to see reps being dished out uh, through the non con in the, the first couple of weeks of the season till you find out what you have. I think Garrett Taylor's the starter right now, but I don't really know that that means that much. I think that Aaron Monroe's been a guy that we haven't talked about much. Lamont Wade can make those plays. He's still adjusting to it. So 
we're just really curious to see where that goes. I think the athleticism's there, but yeah, it's going to be one of those ones where you're going to look at. He's probably going to take some knocks at that position, but uh, I think uh, I think it'll be fine in the long run. Not crazy about it right now. Yeah, I think when we sit down in January and kind of look at the game-by-game lineups, we're going to see quite a bit of shuffling in the starting linebacker roles, perhaps safety. I think what you see trot out there on the field for the first series, September 1st against Appalachian State, may not be something you should get too used to. Yeah, and I think a big reason for that, this freshman class is is different. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so different than, than anyone that we've seen in the last five or ten years. I mean, this is a bigger class. I mean, they've got, you know, great tape in several spots, great size and so it's just a lot of things have come together in this class we talked about Parsons Lucetta uh Ricky Slade is a guy that's picked up some 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 praise recently Jahan Dotson was a guy tremendous football player that we knew uh they weren't sure how he would test based off of well basically how he had tested when he was a high school kid including at their camp wasn't wasn't all that great but he's come in and he's made some plays a natural football player Daniel George is a guy that we've seen a lot taking reps at the at the at the X it's a big strong kid as we mentioned looked like a linebacker he he made a terrific catch over Trent Gordon last week when we were there. So there's just so much, so much potential here, and and, and that's basically staying out of the trenches as well. I yeah. mean, you've got Rasheed Walker, a guy that guys, or excuse me, a guy that coaches are high on. Bryce Effner is even getting some some pub, which I, I sound surprised when I say that because I am kind of surprised when I say that. I don't mean it as a slight to Bryce or anything like that, but they like what they have in this 2018 class. Unfortunately, they're down two members already, which which sucks. But I mean, there's just a lot to like, and I think it's indicative of where this talent level and this roster uh, building project is going. And uh, I think it's it's certainly bright for James Franklin. And it's almost serendipitous that this class comes to campus in this moment when the redshirt rule gets completely changed. Whereas it would be a lot of, wow, this class looks good. Can't wait to see them next year, maybe. Right. We're going to get early looks. I mean, Franklin said the plan is a couple early games, see what you got. Maybe you pull the leash back on some guys. Maybe you're surprised and expand opportunities for others. And then later in the season, take another look. So I think the App State game... The Kent State game, you're going to see a lot of freshmen on the field. Yeah, and then you've got uh, Rutgers and Maryland at the end. So, you know, if there's injuries, you you don't want to risk a guy or something like that. You can throw him back in there. Of course, they're going to save him for the bowl game as well if they can. Um, so People you, are going to get mad for you saying the bowl game. They yeah, want to hear the playoff the game. The bowl games, whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> old habits. <laughs> anyway, um, but no, going back to that, I mean, you're talking you're talking fringe guys. You're talking like Jason Awe, who, you know, I think is going to play. I don't think he's a guy that's going to be here for five years, so I don't think it makes any sense to redshirt him. But also Nick Tarburton, if you've got uh, holes at defensive end, he's a kid's a heck of a football player. Um, you can throw him in there as well. Uh, you know, if you get a blowout early in the season, you throw Trent Gordon in there. You you know, you throw one of the safeties in there or something like that. I don't know so, if you mentioned Judge Culpepper. I mean, he's yeah. a guy who can get an opportunity there. Yeah, Culpepper's there. Aeneas Hawkins is there. I mean, there's just a lot of – I think there's a lot of guys that I think you would probably say yellow to red as they, they categorize green, yellow, red, yellow to red. But now you've got an opportunity to play them. Why wouldn't you if, you, if you're in that situation? And I'm not saying go out and, you know – third quarter of the App State game and you're up a touchdown, that's not the time to play them. But, you know, you, you go out, you see what they have, and if they can hang, if they can bring value to your football team, if they can play special teams, if they can get uh, in every game for you, and you can make that decision in September, I mean, you might as well go for it. And I think it's important to note, it isn't about necessarily the impact they'll make on these games. It's more about the tape, the evidence that coaches will have to evaluate with them. You know, Jason Oavian out there for even 15 reps, uh, just the chance to sit down and talk about what happened. And guess what? They're not going to be surprised necessarily 
by what it's like to play in front of people at Beaver Stadium. They're going to break that seal and they're going to understand what that emo- the emotional roller coaster can be like. Yeah, James Franklin has brought that up a few times. Playing in Beaver Stadium is such a wide-eyed experience and you scrimmage and everything and they pump in music and do all that kind of stuff. But it's nothing like being there on a, fa- on a fall Saturday. So uh, really interested to see. I think it's a great rule. I've said this several times and, and it's funny because you, you talk about the perfect class to bring this in with and then you're thinking, man, this this guy last year really could have yeah. used it. This guy two years ago really could have used it or you know, uh, you, you look back, Troy Apke could be the starting safety this year if you could have used it. And it's just, I mean, it's it's crazy to think probably how overdue this rule was. And I think it's really going to help out. A reminder that we saw only three true freshmen on the field last year, none on offense. Right. So major difference. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, camp developments. Tommy's in a boot. Um, that Again, happened in the spring yeah. as well. That's unfortunate. You're going to see a lot more Sean Clifford probably. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any sense of uh, emergency with Tommy or anything like that. But, uh, you know, you'll see a little bit of Sean Clifford. Maybe you see Will Levis as well. They, they seem high on him. Big arm kid uh, out of Connecticut. So um, that, that's basically it. I, I don't think we've seen too many long-term things and knock on wood here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that Tommy not being out there obviously may change some things for Pittsburgh, may change some things for Ohio State, things like that. Um, and I'm not saying he won't be back by then, but, you know, you've got a certain amount of time to prepare for those. So you don't want to just throw that in on the fly. And I'd say it's it's worth describing Tommy as being in possession of crutches, not necessarily relying on oh, yeah, crutches. Yeah, He's yeah. just kind of holding them and walking around. Hitting um, people with seems them, confident. Yeah. He went on Twitter and said, hey, everybody relax after we put put our story up there. Uh, but I, I, I think the one thing is, look, McSorley's going to be your guy and, and you're knock on wood, he's going to be out there when you need him. But I think the the line position has been so intriguing. And, and you know, you do lose a Gasicki, a guy who was very valuable in short passing situations. Could Tommy Stevens fill some kind of role there? You know, he's a heck of an athlete. Trace McSorley has always said he's a guy we want to have the ball in his hand. So he can't do that if he's in a boot. So we'll figure things out moving ahead, I guess. Maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll see Parsons at line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's uh, stir that pot. Uh, yes, perfect. All right, we're going to move to recruiting now. Uh, obviously, it's a dead period. Dead period means no visits. You can still contact. I know that's been, <clears throat> especially on Twitter, has is, is been one of those things. <laughs> How are they contacting him during a dead period? Stop asking. Um, but no, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's no visits in August. Gives the teams a chance to prepare. Gives the coaches a chance to prepare. They're still recruiting and everything. Penn State still looking at the defensive line as its number one priority. You've got guys like Adisa Isaac, Zach Harrison still out there, Jared Harrison. Harrison Hunt, um, who may be making a decision sooner rather than later. So you'd like to see Penn State shore up that uh, that defensive line in the near future. But I think when you look at where the calendar sets up, you're going to have to sort of circle Ohio State because that's where everybody wants to come. Sure. And that first month of, of September is when a lot of these official visits happen. It's not necessarily Penn State on a national level. So when a lot of these official visits happen. It's when a lot of guys get out to see schools. And then you could see maybe another uh, a run of commitments in, in early October or something like that. A lot of guys nowadays will say they want to decide before their senior season or just right in the middle of their senior season after a few visits. That Ohio State weekend's an opportunity for them to, to, to put on a good show. Yeah, and there's Every year, there's maybe five or six games across college football that you say this is going to be a huge recruiting event that you know you, everyone's focused on what's on the field, but it is a spectacle of a recruiting event. That's going to be one of those. And I think it's worth going back really quickly to Zach Harrison because since the last podcast, his planned commitment date 
passed. Yeah. It came and went. Uh, and and the, the Bleacher Report ran a story, Adam Kramer, where Zach Harrison – who Zach Harrison's tough to get quotes out of. They're 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 few and far between. He says he wants to get back to Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. And by the way, the Ohio State thing's been so up in the air with the coaching staff. Who knows how that impacts him? But for a kid who lives less than twenty miles away from Ohio Stadium, this sure has a lot of intrigue. Yeah, like look at the logic. I mean, if if he were committing to Ohio State, and I'm not saying he's not going to, but. Would have happened a while ago, right? Yeah, would have yeah. happened a while ago. Would have happened by now. And you know, Penn State, and Michigan have just sort of hung in and and sort of rolled with the body blows and whatnot. And if you can get him back on campus, especially you know, I haven't checked his schedule, but if you can get him back on campus for the Ohio State game, that's an atmosphere that you can impress him with. And you know, he's been he, he he's sort of low key. He doesn't talk to a ton, even coaches. He doesn't talk to to them all that often. But uh, you know, the family's involved here. Penn, the family loves Penn State, and and I think Penn State's probably in it more than you know a lot of the national guys will give them credit for um i still think adisa isaac's more uh, more likely he's he's going to be back for the ohio state game at last check um so i think penn state's despite what the crystal ball said for some reason uh with with lsu i think penn state's in a good spot there as well yeah, absolutely. And, and, and also, I, I will say, uh, with Harrison, it's it starting to get a little bit of the Jackson Carmen vibe. Like, well, why not yet? Why haven't you done it yet? And right. eventually, Jackson Carmen, I think, you know, it probably made sense to wait to the last second to break that news that, hey, I'm not sticking around because otherwise you get, you're not going to be able to sign. Might as well do it the day you can sign. And then you can say, well, hey, I'm signed. It's over. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Zach Harrison, if he is leaving Columbus area, that it doesn't happen until December. Yeah, bigger time to mute Twitter as well. <laughs> yes. So. Um, but yeah, beyond that, uh, you still have needs. Uh, obviously, Zach Franks, his his flip, which is you know not very typical. Obviously, it was a surprise to a lot of people. But you still need offensive linemen. You look at Jakai Moore. You look at Trevor Keegan, who's going to take an official. Walter Rouse has been up a few times as well. So there's still options there. Um, three three commitment, three offensive line commitments in the class right now. I think Jakai Moore is probably either your most likely or a guy that you know you probably target as your top guy right now. So uh, we'll see which direction that goes. Still would like to add another running back. Uh, Penn State offered Aaron Young. I'm not sure if that was before the last pot. I think it was before the last pot. He got to campus since but he the got last to camp- campus. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I'm still feeling Rutgers on this one. Um, yeah. I know it's it, it's a weird situation where you put him, you put Penn State up against Rutgers, and you expect Penn State to win pretty much every time. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a Rutgers graduate, I can confirm this yeah. news. And and but Sean, you weren't supposed to say that. You're gonna lose some listeners. <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, Sean, going back to Aaron Young, and well, staying with Aaron Young, your story I think revealed a lot. Um, pretty candid. He's a kid who I think was wondering why the in-state. Penn State and the Lions took a long time to offer him, and I think those are some feelings that he's going to have to reconcile. Yeah, and if he if he wants to go to Penn State, he'll get over it. If not, then he'll go to Rutgers. And, and he'll play Penn State. Yeah, he'll play <laughs> against Penn State. His brother, of course, is at Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers has made him a priority from the start. Penn State didn't. Call it what it is. I mean, Penn State, if they if they wanted him from the from the start, they they could I think they could have gotten him. But now, as it goes, which they do want him now, and I will say that again, they do want him now. So if he does commit to Rutgers and you say, oh, Penn State didn't want him anyway. You're wrong. But uh, there's still options there. Noah Kane, who will be in Pennsylvania actually today to play behind Richland, but he can't visit, and Penn State can't visit him because of these crazy dead period rules. Mark Anthony Richards came out with a top 
five or six. I know you covered that one when I was on vacation. Uh, four-star Darian Brown has Penn State in his top two with Texas, and Texas is the leader. So Penn State's still in on a number of uh, running backs, highly touted running backs, and they'd still love to pair one with Devin Ford, who you know would be fine sitting alone in a running back class all by himself. And I'll tell you what, you talk about you know you're going to lose two seniors from this group, and Jonathan Thomas and, and uh, Mark Allen, but to potentially replace them with if we're talking about some the elite of the elite of this running back class, you've already got one with Devin Ford. If you bring in two of those guys, you've got Ricky Slade on campus. We'll see what happens with Miles Sanders. Journey Brown has a lot of upside. You really like how things are shaping up for the future at running back. Yeah, and that's not – I mean, Saquon's gone and still the running back – the, the running back room I think is a very, very, very yeah. talented one. So um, we'll see where that things go from there. Uh, wide receiver is still a spot where they'd like to get a few guys in for visits. David Bell I think is at the top of the board there. Steve Wilfong has a uh, crystal ball pick in for David Bell in Penn State. I think they're in a good spot right now. I'm not sure that I'm ready to take that same plunge, but he'll be back for an official visit. Maybe that's the time. Um, beyond that, you look – I think linebacker is pretty much – done unless you you know you see some movement in the roster and you have to go somewhere will they circle back around to Andre White at Harrisburg who's committed to Texas A&M that's hard to say right now um, but you know I like where they're standing um, you know at that position with Brandon Smith and Lance Dixon you can't complain about that at all uh, tight end we mentioned Brenton Strange a little bit earlier I think Penn State's in a great spot right there um, Steve get, put a crystal ball in Thursday morning yeah, for, for Brenton Strange yeah and I think the the <laughs> the guys have have Jumped on that one as well. So Penn State may, by the time this comes out, Penn State may be leading on the crystal ball. Yeah. Um, I think Ohio State's still involved there. I think there's a couple of schools in there. Tremendous athlete. I mean, this kid came to camp and sort of tore it up. Uh, you know, for, for that size and speed combination, you like what he sees. Parkersburg, West Virginia, can the competition be that great? No offense to anybody at Parkersburg, West Virginia. Uh, that that remains a question, but the athletic upside is there. He's a guy that can can catch passes for you as a tight end. A couple of spots left to go. Lewisine, Nick Cross. Nick Cross, I think, as of this uh, recording, was going to announce what today and then he was not going to announce today and you said that might have tangled web it's he was going to commit he he announced yesterday he was going to commit today thursday then he put out thursday that he was not going to commit or do any interviews and then he deleted that tweet so he may be committed somewhere if you're listening on friday but from what we understand he's pushed things off and i don't think that's the worst news for penn state yeah if he's pushed things off i think it's good really good for penn state because i think florida state was a pick uh in his mind no doubt i know that there's some things at play there where his parents would probably like him a little bit closer to home uh, talking academics and everything like that i think they maybe even prefer penn state but um you know that's so hard to say i think if a decision comes anytime soon i think it's florida state if it if it uh sort of fleshes out that decision he could take some more visits i think penn state's in a pretty good spot there but but we will see and like i like you mentioned by the time this publishes maybe he's committed somewhere who knows um Beyond that, I mean, we're, we're talking 2019 here, but 2020, there's really, a lot of potential. Sean. Really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Really, really good. Uh, three of the top five players in the country, 24-7 Sports, put out their uh, their latest rankings in the 2020 class this week. Uh, number one, Brian Brzee. Number three, Julian Fleming. Number five, Mikhail Sherman. All big-time targets at Penn State. All have been on campus in the last uh, month and a half, two months. So, um, yeah, Penn State making these guys a priority. And if you look at the region, and I did a up yesterday about all the Penn State targets, um, really not including much of the Florida guys or the Georgia guys and anything like that. The, the sort of the household names in, in the region. 2020 is loaded, man. I mean, you look at the DMV, uh, St. John's College has, I think, 
three or four guys in the top 100 themselves. Yeah. The Matha obviously has some guys in Marshawn Lloyd, Kozai Izard, and some other guys. I mean, just the, the region has the potential to give Penn State that top five class like they had last year. Yeah, and it's – I mean, all three of those guys in the top five that you mentioned, we're not just saying that Penn State offered them and there's interest. They have reciprocated that interest. Right. They are very much in contention for all three of those guys. It does shape up as a special class. It's going to be really interesting to follow Fleming's recruitment moving ahead. Is he a guy who, much like Zach Harrison, maybe wants to get out of his familiar surroundings? Obviously, he is one of the premier prospects to come out of Pennsylvania be in careful. recent memory. What's that? <laughs> You're saying that he's going to leave. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not reporting that. Uh, I'm saying that he certainly has his options and he, he hasn't committed to Penn State yet. Yeah. But I think the one thing that's interesting about 2020, maybe it's because there's two quarterbacks in the 2019 class. Not a lot of clarity there where Penn State stands uh, with, with 2020 QBs. They offered the kid out of D.C., uh, but going to be curious to see how they address that, especially after bringing in what we anticipated to quarterback class. Yeah, I, I think that the quarterback situation, um, Bryce Young was a guy that they targeted early. He's already committed to USC. Um, you look across the country and those darn dominoes have, have sort of started to fall. Um, and Penn State, there's just, you look across and there's there's solid there's solid quarterback play in the state. You got Emmett Simon, you got Jack Salopak, uh, a few other guys there. You, you, you branch out into the region. Uh, Parker McQuarrie came and camped from New Hampshire. Um, a couple other guys from, from the region camped. Just nobody that really blew you away. Last year this time we were talking about offers to Roberson. We were talking about offers to Garrett Trader yeah. and a few other national guys and, and there was some interest in that level. I just I don't see anybody that I would just you know sort of throw the kitchen sink at right now. Um, there are a couple quarterbacks that I like, Luke Doty, and um, in South Carolina, and he went. I think he already committed to South Carolina as well. I mean, it's just. It, I, it just doesn't seem like 2020 is the year for a quarterback for Penn State. I think uh, 2021, Caleb, uh, excuse me, Caleb Williams Caleb from Williams, DC is right, there. Yeah. Um, the, the kid from Philly as well that they, they just offered, Kyle McCord. Um, so I think 2021 is probably your quarterback year, but everywhere else – 2020 shaping up really nicely for Penn State. And by the way, I think you're on board with this. I, I get some questions. Is 2020 a year they skip signing a quarterback? My answer is always no. I, I, I think I you think always so. do your best to keep that quarterback flow going. Just the position you just don't know. You could bring in a guy you think is surefire. He sees a little bit of action on the field and, and he loses it and that confidence is gone forever. So I think it's a it's a, it's a a position that where Penn State has a nice little young stockpile in place for 2019 and beyond – it, you always have to yeah, take a quarterback every year. I mean, that's I know they took two this year, and and things are a little imbalanced with with Zembeck, uh, but. I think you take one every year and because quarterback is such a fickle position. And Penn State hasn't had a ton of transfers or anything like that. Um, they obviously did five, ten years ago. But they haven't had a ton of transfers in, in terms of the, the James Franklin era. I think Michael O'Connor is probably the only one. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a position where a lot of guys, unfortunately, take their ball and go home. We saw at LSU. I mean, LSU right now has two scholarship quarterbacks, yeah. I think. Miles Brennan um, and, and Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow. I mean, it's, one, one quarterback that they actually signed right. is – on that is on that you know roster right I mean, now that's, that's, and it's I mean look it's across college football guys are often saying if I don't win the position win the battle by the time I'm a second or third year guy I got to figure out an escape option and I got to get out the door um, we saw the opposite happen with Tommy Stevens sticking right. around uh, but yeah it's a position where 
You just got to make sure you have contingency you're, plans. You're playing with fire if you don't bring in a quarterback yeah. every year, in, in my opinion. Um, beyond that, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of talent at running back. Marshawn Lloyd, Jalen Berger, Chris Tyree, all guys that have been on campus multiple times. I think the offensive line um, – the, the offensive line board will come around. Anton Harrison, a couple of uh, Aaron Parks, are a couple of guys that that stick out, and uh, I think there's a lot of talent on the defensive line as well. But yeah, I mean, if if Penn State's going to make this top five class, I mean, they're going to have to sort of plant the flag in this region and going down, and that's going down to Virginia and and staying in the Northeast and being a presence and extending into Ohio. I think one of the one of the the big dynamics at play here is what happens with Ohio State. I mean, obviously. Three game suspension for Urban Meyer. We're not going to spend any time talking about that. That's that's for another for another day. But what does that do to recruiting? Does that slow things down? I don't think it does anything in the short term with the 2019 class. But hey, you're a 2020 kid, and we, we've seen it from some of these St. John's College kids. You're sort of taking a wait and see approach to what goes on. I mean, you, you look at the backlash, and this news has only been out for what uh, a little over 12 hours or something like that. But I mean, it's just like. Where are they going to go? Is this going to impact them? I mean, Ohio State's such a successful program, it's such a winning program that you, you don't think it's going to happen. But at the same time, we've seen coaching changes and, and scandals and things like that where it's it's going to have an impact over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think Urban Meyer has signed a top ten recruiting class like the last fifteen years. He's been a head coach pretty much. But now when he knocks on that door and wants to sit down with mom and dad in the right. living room, I think that's where this comes into play. You know, moving ahead is there's questions that he's going to have to answer. Uh, certainly not going to be able to handle it like he did in the press conference. And right. mom and dad want to trust you with their kid. Uh, this is certainly something that's going to be a bit of a cloud hanging over him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's probably, if you're from in Penn State's perspective, it's a pretty good year for it to happen. I mean, there's a lot of interest in Ohio State. And, I mean, there's a lot of interest in Alabama and Clemson and these top programs. Georgia is just killing it right now. Um, but Ohio State's up there in that top tier. Penn State's a little bit below them. So, I mean, you look at where, how much it can help Penn State could conceivably really help them out. Yeah, and Penn State's been winning a lot of legitimate head-to-head battles with some recruiting titans, including Penn State or including Ohio State. And uh, yeah, I mean, any opportunity really to, to gain continued edge, I, I see Penn State taking advantage. The most important thing, obviously, is to keep filling up the win column, which they've been able to do. But I think right now, James Franklin, you talk about reputation, credibility, mom and dad, how they're feeling about them. James Franklin's up there with just about anybody in college football right now on the recruiting trail when it comes to personal relationships. Yes, and on the most important thing, we are a week and a day from real football. Yep. I've been looking forward to this for a <laughs> long, long time, as have all of our listeners, I'm sure. But yeah, Appalachian State coming to town next weekend, 3.30 kickoff. We will have a show and uh, our format for the season for you next week, uh, previewing uh, that, uh, that particular game. But yeah, I think it's been a... A good test run for us, a good first episode, and we are happy to be back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Remember, check us out on iTunes, check us out uh, on the site. We've been doing a ton of stuff. I don't know, I, I hate to, to shill for Tyler here, but he's been doing a tremendous job since he came <laughs> on board. Um, so uh, check us out, uh, lions247.com. We're happy to be back and uh, happy to finally see some football on the horizon. I'm ready. Let's do it. Thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Come the flame here, civil mode.